0: And I'm not gonna hesitate with the fundamentalists because I think they are very cult like these cults. Like if if everybody rose up against them, they'd they'd be powerless, right? But there's a certain degree of like mind control and authority and fear that's get struck into their believers. And so yeah, it kind of paralyzes them.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Learn with Lowell. Today we have an amazing episode. We're gonna dive into the enigmatic world of Mormonism. We have someone join us today. His name's Tom, the alternative Mormon. Tom is not his name, we get into that. He is going to talk to us about the history of Mormonism, his spirituality, why he's transitioning. He's going to talk to us about polygamy as well, all that fun stuff. We also get into his thoughts on presidents, China, private prisons, you name it. This is a great episode if you want to just kind of sit back and hear it straight from someone's mouth what Mormonism is like. I think sometimes you get fed things on the internet or from the news. And so it's just kind of fun to hear someone who's actually in it describe what it's like being a missionary and why maybe we should be nicer to them. Or at the very least, uh, give us some tips on getting them to stay away. I want to thank everyone for coming out today. And please, uh, let's stay curious and learn about Mormonism with Tom, and i Mormon on this episode of Learn With Lowell. What originally got you involved in the Mormon uh, Mormon church, Mormon faith?
0: So I was actually born into the Mormon faith. Um, both my parents um, also were born into it. Um, in fact, if you follow my family history, my my ancestors all the way back to the original start of the church in the 1830s 1840s was kind of when some of my ancestors joined you know not all of them but i have some lines that go back to pioneer people who even came across the plains to utah so yeah it's it's uh definitely ingrained in my not quite to my genes you know it's not a not a uh a race or a specific culture but it is kind of ingrained in my ancestry a little bit so yeah i've i've been in for a long time <laughs>
1: Do you get any benefits in the church for being a legacy in that way or do they not care about heritage?
0: No, They're I mean there. it's just it's just cool. So like Okay. Um one of one of my I think he's my 3 great-grandfather's um was actually one of the prophets or the presidents of the church back in the late 1800s. And so the only benefit of that is it's just kind of cool. It's kind of bragging rights, you know. <laughs> when I was a kid we used to go to
1: at any point in this conversation, if you find value in it, please subscribe. It is hugely beneficial, and it tells Google and everyone out there that this is content worth watching. Thank you for everyone thus far who has commented, liked, subscribed, and told their friends.
0: They'd have, like, little events for him. His name is Wilford Woodruff. You can Google him and look him up. Um, they'd have little, like, events. And he he was a polygamist, just like other early Mormons. So, like, his, there's a million of his descendants, you know, in Utah. So they do little things where you'd be able to go and meet other people who were related to him but it's like it's not like I knew him you know distant mm-hmm. third fourth cousins and possibly through different wives so
1: so there's not like a, a master alternative Mormon family reunion that happens where it's like you take over a convention center
0: yeah uh, well there might be but that's not because of my <laughs> heritage it's probably just because you know I, I actually have a large family My my grandma I mm. think had like um 10 or 11 siblings because she had a mixed family but anyway no related to the heritage of the church no no real benefits
1: and um if i remember correctly you're transitioning out of the church are you maintaining the faith itself or is it just like the app like the the spiritual aspect of the faith or is it just like the church like the catholic church like you're leaving the catholic church and like still going to be catholic in your heart if that makes sense
0: yeah, it's actually kind of the opposite. Like I still occasionally go to the church, um but I've more transitioned away from how I how I am religiously and spiritually. Um I am in the process of probably physically transitioning away from the church as well, you know. Uh my family and I go occasionally but mostly just for the community aspects at this time. Um in Utah, <coughs> um the church is a pretty big part of communities, you know, um in U- in Utah at least where I live down in Salt Lake city, it's not quite this way, but where I live, the majority are active LDS members. So in order to just maintain some, some community, um, you know, we still occasionally go.
1: What are the, like the core beliefs, the, the my exposure to people of the Mormon faith is Brandon Sanderson, uh, uh Chris Stockman, which I, you were telling me, it's a different type of thing, which is interesting. And then, um, Every now and again there's like uh Mormons on the on a uh, street corner that like will sit yeah. there and wait for you to engage like make eye contact and they start telling you <laughs> things and then which I actually find kind of irritating. But um when yeah. people come up to your door. That's those are all my exposures to people of the faith.
0: Yeah, so so I get those. You get uh South Park. A lot of people have seen the South Park mm-hmm. Mormon episode. Um there there are a few other famous Mormons, you know, obviously you have Mitt Romney who ran for president um in what was that, 2012? And you have, um, so like if you're into music, Brandon Flowers of the Killers is a Mormon. Um, Dan Reynolds of Imagine Dragons has recently transitioned away from being a Mormon. Um, Tyler Glenn from Neon Trees was a Mormon. He's since left. And so there there are some famous Mormons out there. Um, But yeah, you know, a lot of people aren't maybe familiar with with the key, the key parts of it. Um, I did actually spend some time as a Mormon missionary. So I understand your frustration with them um, because I unfortunately was the guy knocking on doors and standing on street corners. I spent time on campuses and, you know, tracking down students as they were hustling to class. And yeah, it, it's, it's not fun on that side of the, uh, of the conversation either. It's awkward and, you know, you just feel like you have to do it, but i uh, sorry. Sorry. What was your question before that? Just,
1: uh what uh i'm definitely gonna ask you like you know maybe some tips to get people to stop coming to my door but yeah. uh, <laughs> just like what 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 causes you to be a missionary like why is that i guess at the same time i was raised lutheran and they were still like hey we're sending missionaries to like africa so i don't yeah. think it's that big of a difference to like want to knock on someone's door or hand out bibles in america but at the same time i'm just curious like what are the core tenets of mormonism that resonate with you in particular
0: yeah so I would get that question a lot because I spent my mission in Indiana as we were talking about a little bit off air, which is predominantly Christian. And so I would get that question all the time. Like, what are you even doing here? Like we're Christians, you're Christians. Um, but we also, and I shouldn't say we, cause I, I don't represent the church. And like I say, I'm transitioning away, but the church also sends missionaries to foreign places like Africa and, you know, Asia and South America. Um, but the main reason is the church believes um, that they are literally the restored church of of Jesus Christ. So basically, if you if you take the history of Christianity, you know, Jesus was here on Earth. He had his twelve apostles or twelve disciples. After Jesus died, was resurrected, left. Um, you know, they went on for a while, and then the Catholics claim that that authority has continued to this day. Right? That Peter was sort of the first pope. Um, I'm, I know I'm oversimplifying it if any Catholics are listening, but, but basically that that line continued on, um, the LDS church or or Mormon church has the same idea as kind of the Protestants that, okay, somewhere along the line, the Catholics kind of screwed it up and, and maybe authority was lost. And so the Protestants kind of, you know, a lot of them maybe don't focus as much on authority. They're just more focused on the grace of Christ. Um, but then The Mormon Doctrine, and I I don't have to give a full history lesson, although I can later if you want. The Mormon Doctrine, basically in the 1800s, um, it's this idea that through, literally through angelic ministration, through visions and like angelic visitation, that Joseph Smith, the first prophet, received this authority that the ancient apostles had and was able to restore or reorganize this Church of Christ. So the reason you see Mormon missionaries even in the U.S. is their idea is that um, although they're Christians and Protestants are Christians and Catholics are Christians, that the Mormon church has sort of like the true Christianity is one way to say it, like the true church, but also mm-hmm. like the true authority to baptize, to do all these things. So so their idea is that, yeah, we're we are still sending people to Christian countries where people are predominantly Christian, but we're trying to get them in, you know. If if Christianity's this huge building, we're trying to get them in our specific room. If that makes yeah. sense,
1: that makes sense. The there's a Protestant Reformation where people were getting like burnt alive for being like, you know, one degree separated from Catholicism. Yeah. D- did the Mormons face any of that? I mean, I th- I think predominantly you were in America, which ho- hopefully did not do that. I'd hope that people weren't like attacking.
0: Uh, that's actually stuff. a. That's actually a fascinating piece of U.S. history. In fact, um, I, I love Mormon church history. I'm kind of a nerd about it. And the reason is, is because it is so interestingly intertwined with U.S. history. So the Mormon church um, is the largest, as far as I know, the largest American-made religion. Um, now, I think, um, like, Methodists, like the Wesleyans, I think they're technically... American made as well. I can't remember. But anyway, the main ones, the main ones you have that maybe are different from Protestantism as you have Mormonism, Jehovah's witnesses were American made, and then you have seventh day Adventists. Um, and I know a lot of Christians, all three of those, a lot of kind of Protestant Christians would kind of clump those as like cult type religions. Um, And so they, but they are all three American made and they're all actually kind of sprung up in the same 30, 40 years. To give you I know I said I wasn't going to do a full history lesson, but a lot of these questions are hard to do without. So, um, so yeah, Mormonism started with Joseph Smith, who is the founder, um, or or members of the church would just call him the one who restored the church, and he's considered a prophet. Um, to try to keep it brief, he when he was in his late teenage years, early twenties, he started to write or what he said, translate a record, which is called the book of Mormon. You know, that's like the book of Mormon musical. You'll see, like I say, the South park episode talks about this. Um, Although it's not exactly a faith promoting episode. If you want a 30 minute kind of humorous episode, that's a great summary of kind of the history of Mormonism. And actually they get a lot of it, right? Because the founders of South park are ex Mormons, um, or at least one of them is. And so anyway, he, he built this Book of Mormon, had this Book of Mormon, which was supposed to be an ancient record from the American people. With this, he started the church in, the, in 1830, April 6, 1830 was the year the church was founded, and that happened in New York, and then they eventually moved to Kirtland, Ohio and Missouri. If you go to Kirtland, Ohio, there's still old church history stuff. There's the first temple they built in Kirtland. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, there was a ton of persecution. And there's a couple of reasons for that. The first one is probably, you know, people just didn't understand it or, or didn't like it. Um, the interesting thing about the church history compared to the U.S. history, though, is it's actually a fascinating discussion about the balance of freedom of religion versus freedom of speech versus freedom of press because the the main reason people were mad and I've only learned this in the last few years when I was a kid growing up they always tell you well the reason you know they got dro- drove out of state to state was just because they were being cursed, persecuted religious persecution the history of it's a lot more interesting a lot more complicated the reason they were so mad is these group of Mormons came and they'd clumped together in a community and they would start voting together as a block so like Joseph Smith would say okay the Democrats candidate is the most supportive of mormons they're they're the most likely to help us so everybody you know these five thousand people or whatever all of us are going to vote for this candidate now you can see why these transplants moving into a community and then just changing the dynamics of the democratic vote would make some people a little bit mad and this was you know they were in ohio they were in missouri they were actually split between the two for a while like this was the frontier of the united states in the 1800s And so the legal system was pretty sketchy. Um, back then, you know, we've come a long ways. And so you can kind of sympathize, not that it's okay to persecute someone because of their religion, but you can sympathize why people in that area felt like they had to do this extra legal justice of burning down houses. There were people getting tarred and feathered. Um, there's even a couple instances in Missouri that it did get to violence and death. You know, there was some massacres, there's, you can even Wikipedia, there's something called the Utah, or not Utah, the Mormon Missouri War. So there was a little war, but it's more of a couple skirmishes of, of things. That eventually led uh, short term to them moving to Illinois, where eventually Joseph Smith was shot and killed. Um, again, it's hard, it's hard to give a full, I mean, you could spend hours talking about this history, but, but the main reason he was um, persecuted, shot, and killed was, there was a lot going on, but at the end of his life, there was a a newspaper, kind of a defamatory newspaper that that came out and was saying Joseph Smith's a polygamist. It was a secret at the time that he was a polygamist, um, that he's trying to hoard all this power and stuff. And so as the mayor, lieutenant governor of his militia and prophet of his church, uh, he kind of (laughs) had a lot of power and did command that uh, his local city militia go and destroy this newspaper press. So that's why I'm saying it's an interesting conversation mm-hmm. of okay as an american people we believe in the freedom of religion we believe in the freedom of speech we believe in the freedom of press but what happens when those collide right who who which which side of the freedom gets the upper hand you know do you, do you have the you have the freedom of religion, where you just say, "Yeah, sure, it's fine if your religion says you can go destroy presses," or do you respect the press? And so again, it just escalated, 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 and then all of these mobs decided to take extra legal justice, um, killed Joseph Smith and his brother, and then that, as the history goes, that's how the Mormons left Illinois. The you know, I think a lot of people have seen the Mormon pioneers; they're they're familiar with the Mormon pioneers that went from Illinois to utah led by brigham young who you know brigham young university byu is named after and and yeah so so just due to persecution but um i think persecution is a little bit simplistic um because it it was a really complicated situation i'm not i'm not saying that it's okay because if you read about the persecution and the extra legal justice a lot of it is you know it's it's wrong but at the same time like You can, if you put yourself in their shoes, maybe you can understand it, but, but the Mormon church definitely has a history of, of persecution, of being driven out of their place, being driven out of their homes until they came to Utah, which at the time, um, wasn't part of the United States. It was actually part of Mexico shortly after they came, it became a territory. And then, um, my fifth grade teacher will be mad at me. I can't remember what year, but Utah state became a, an actual state. So
1: that's interesting then. Especially if it's like actually five thousand versus like a, a a number just to tell, I'll make the point, because in Ohio there's only like, like Tennessee only had like 30,000 people at that time. Ohio had about fifty thousand people. So if you're if you're rolling around with a solid five thousand, that's ten percent of the population of a state, a voting population is probably even greater than that as a proportion. So you're you're going around and just like wheeling like a giant, you know. And if, especially if, if there are people who don't like what you're saying, there's a lot of there's a lot of cases in uh, especially the early years of our republic where like people people were just like, oh, you, you're on a, another party. And they started like dueling in the courthouses and stuff. Like, um, uh, what was his name? Andrew Jackson, I think like dueled a bunch of people just for fun. Well, then maybe not just for fun, but like they would say inappropriate things about his wife and he would just duel them and shoot them and stuff. So it's it's a very like rough and rumble type of period of time. And then you add that component to it. And uh, democracy in that form was really, like before that, I think we had pirates and like the Athenians to pull from in terms of like how to run that type of system. So it was very much like an experiment, like figuring out like how to, how do you get along? And I think probably a little better than that, but then a little bad too, like we're still working on that. But um, do you, um, if you if you could have like, I know this is kind of like a better question, but like Utah does seem like a, like the perfect place for a bunch of people they go and kinda of like displace the political will of the area or like at least the people who have the guns to like move them out. Um so it seemed like a pretty good spot to like bunker down and then just do your own thing out there. Um I can't imagine in too many other states, like maybe Nevada, but then Nevada's kinda of like known known as like Sin City or what you know, it has like uh Las Vegas and stuff. So it it's kinda of seemed like it's like Utah was like the perfect place and the perfect time for Mormons to like find a home where like people wouldn't be too obnoxious to them
0: yeah um you you basically quoted brigham young because you know anyone who went to elementary school in in utah is taught the famous story of brigham young yeah when they the pioneers came across he supposedly had a vision of the utah the salt lake valley the great salt lake valley and they came up over the mountains and he was sick i can't remember with like cholera or something and they turned his wagon around and supposedly he said this is the right place and kind of put his staff in the ground and it was this like Moses like experience yeah. and it, it's kind of this legendary Utah moment so yeah when you said this is the perfect place I mean that's basically what Brigham Young said um, but it, I mean it was a desert you know like if you go to Salt Lake today you're going to see a lot of greenery um, and that's because you know we've built canals we've bi- built water infrastructure but but originally you know it was kind of a dry uh, valley Full of sagebrush and yeah you had the Great Salt Lake but obviously the Great Salt Lake you know doesn't add much as far as drinking water and stuff because it's higher salinity than the ocean <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh but yeah yeah it it was good because it you know it was surrounded by mountains it was far away from the current um United States eventually they made it and and that's that's part of our history too because you know for a while we the state of Utah or the territory of Deseret as it was called um could kind of function with its own government. It was kind of a theocracy in a the sense because the prophet of the church sort of was also the territorial governor. The United States put a stop to that once they made it a state and they said, no, your prophet can't be <laughs> the governor. You know, obviously that goes against some separation of church and state problems. Um, but but yeah, for a while, you know, it was kind of just this secluded secluded area, which, which probably is why, like, if you come to Utah, um, we do have some unique cultural elements and that's probably because we did have you know these 30 40 years that we were somewhat separated from the united states and built our own culture built our own yeah kind of religious dynamic so
1: yeah and i hear post malone lives out there and he likes it like apparently everyone's really nice even though he's like full of tattoos and stuff like he talks about it, it's like but at the same time he's like no don't move here because then, <laughs> then you'll change it but, yeah like, like it's actually a nice place too like people aren't just like nice to each other but they're nice to people who like literally look different too
0: Yeah. I think Post Malone is like probably one of the treasures of Utah we have right now. It's, it's awesome. I think he lives in park city, which is like a ski town. Uh, That's where all the rich people live is park city, which is like 20, 30 minutes East of, um, Salt Lake city. It's kind of up in the mountains. Um, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's, you know, I've, I've lived in Utah my whole life. It is, there are aspects of it that are bizarre. Um, but, but I get that from everybody like, Oh, you know, Mormons. Sure. I don't believe in their faith, but like, you guys are so nice. And and, uh, and, and I agree with that. I mean, I, I like the state. I, I, um, would say the same thing as post Malone, you know, don't, don't come here because our, for a while our you know, I think Boise, Idaho of anywhere in the United States, at least recently was the highest gr- or fastest growing Metro area yeah. and Salt Lake city, I think was second behind that. So, so yeah, we have been experiencing a lot of growth, especially after the COVID era when people realized, oh, we don't have to live in California to have this high paying tech job. We can actually buy a house we can afford, get out of California politics, California traffic. And so, yeah, I mean, I think we've seen that not just in Utah, you know, in lots of places, just kind of this, this moving out of, you know, dense suburban areas and Utah has been a, been a uh, victim of that as well.
1: Yeah. So I haven't read the Mormon Bible. Is it, is it like, okay to call it the Mormon Bible or is there like a specific term for it?
0: Yeah, that's fine. Um, the technical name is the Book of Mormon. Um, okay, Book of Mormon. But that's fine. I don't want to
1: like sit here and like, you know, use our own nomenclature. Book of Mormon. What, in what ways does it differ from like the Christian Bible?
0: Yeah, so that's a really good question. So the word Mormon is kind of weird, right? So the idea is the Book of Mormon is, um, actually named after a character in the book of Mormon. So, um, kind of like in the Bible, you would have the book of Samuel. It's the book of Mormon is one of the books in the book of Mormon. So Hmm. the, the, basically the premise of the book of Mormon is that, um, it's, it's supposedly this ancient record of, Um, Native American peoples, and that the idea, and this is a contemporary idea as the Book of Mormon was written, by the way, Um, but it was this idea that the Native Americans were actually Israelites, and that about 600 years before Christ, um, this group of Israelites left Jerusalem, they traveled via ship across the ocean, they landed in the Americas, they set up a civilization, Um, There are some like racial undertones in it and maybe undertones is a soft word, because the whole plot is that this group divides into a righteous group and a wicked group. The righteous group are still Israelites. They're kind of, you know, typical Israelite um, race, you know, so not white, like a European, but the wicked group uh, is cursed with a dark skin. And, you can see why that's maybe racially problematic. Um, but then the, the main plot of it is that eventually over a period of about a thousand years. So in 400 years before Christ, this wicked dark skinned group eventually kills off the more righteous light skinned group. And that supposedly is how the native Americans came to be. Now that's been disproven since then with DNA evidence, you know, the, the leading science on it, the leading DNA evidence says that, um, no native Americans are probably Asian in descent and arrived via the, is it the Bering Strait across Alaska and Russia where it, you know, they think they, they made a land bridge and they could have walked across there what 10 or 20,000 years ago or whatever. So the, yeah, the science is pretty set on that. Um, so that's, that's been refuted in the book of Mormon. The, the other stuff about the book of Mormon. So it's basically like the idea is that, Um, The Bible talks about the Israelites in Jerusalem area and, you know, their, their origins and stuff, but that this group of people also had dealings with God. They had prophets. Um, The crowning moment of the Book of Mormon is actually, it's in the middle, which is when Jesus himself, supposedly after he's resurrected, descends and visits these people in the Americas. And, uh, and so basically it's similar to the Bible. And it even quotes the Bible. There's some Isaiah verses. Um, some of the stuff Jesus says in Jerusalem is quoted verbatim in the Americas, which is problematic as well, if you're looking at it from a historical standpoint. Um, but basically, it's it's the same idea, but totally different stories, totally different scripture, if you will, because it's supposedly a different people. Hmm.
1: But um, outside of the stories, myself, or like the... Like like in uh, Christianity, for instance, like the angels are actually quite ugly. Like it's actually like the demons that look cool. Yeah, um, which is interesting that now that uh, now that the angels look good, like like in modern portray- portraying, they look like handsome things. And it's like, well, if 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 like demons were like run things, like that's what they'd want you to think. Like the the nice looking ones are the good ones, and the ugly looking ones are the bad ones. You know, like they're flipping it. But, yeah. Like, in the 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 Bible, like they're like hideous looking creatures. Like people have like done reditions of them, and they're like fifty eyes. Yeah. I've seen this <laughs> so, like like 20 wings. I don't know. Like, so is, is does any of that change or is it really just like the implementation and like the story uh, it, changes?
0: It doesn't talk about that kind of stuff as much. There are angels in it, but um, Mormon theology is very much that like angels are like us, you know, they're kind of, what would you say? Like a human, human in nature. Um, so like the book of Mormon, the, the, starting of the Book of Mormon was Joseph Smith claimed to have a vision that uh, the angel Moroni is the name, uh, visited him. And if you ever see a Mormon temple, at least one that's been built before the last couple of years, on the top of the angel or the top of the temple, there's an angel blowing a trumpet. And supposedly that's the angel Moroni. And the angel Moroni is actually a character, like a living person in the Book of Mormon. So the Mormon theology is that angels are basically just people that like either have died and are like it's their spirit or like um i don't know if that if that sort of makes sense so it's like humans and angels yeah they're they're not not separate separate entity no not like a separate creature or whatever you want to call them like like they they're very human in nature so
1: Mm. and then um well it sounds like you still have a lot of respect for the history and you know some of the, the faith elements so What's causing you to transition out? And then what, is, what does transitioning mean? If It sounds like it might be you'll still have appreciation for it as you move out.
0: Yeah, so so that is a great question. And that's the whole reason I started the podcast that I call Alternative Mormon. Um, because I see myself as kind of an oddity. So Mormonism is, is what I would use the term high demand, is a high demand religion. Um, some people prefer to use the word cult. I try to avoid that word because I think it's a little bit of a buzz buzzword Um, just because it's not very descriptive because cult could probably describe if you if you look at the definition of a cult it could probably describe anything from very simple Methodist or Protestantism Christianity to like Jim Jones and the Kool-Aid right like so there's this huge I, I just don't like the word cult. It's not that I think yeah. it's wrong because I think it's probably accurate, <laughs> um, but it's just that it's not very descriptive and it's kind of an emotional word. But uh, anyway, Mormonism is a high demand religion. And so because of that, um, a lot of people who learn for themselves that they don't believe it tend to not have much respect for it. They get pretty, pretty angry, pretty pissed off. And they're like, why have I been lied to my whole life? and uh even some go so far as they want to like they want to tear down the church or they want to try to pull other people out of the church Mm -hmm. i don't see it that way i mean i still like there's you know there's days i'm angry or whatever um but the only person i can really be angry at is myself if i am angry Mm -hmm. um but i have lots of family members who are still members of the church and i think for the main for the most part, at least today's version of the church, it's mostly good. Um, you know, there are some harmful elements. And so I'm talking out against the harmful elements. So like the blind obedience to a leader or like the policies of like, we've had harmful policies throughout the years. We used to have harmful policies towards black people. Now we have harmful policies in my view towards LGBT people. And so like, yeah, I'm going to speak out about that, but like as a whole, I think it's the system isn't good, but like the people are good. So like, I'm going to take, I'm going to be respectful to the people. I'm going to be respectful to the religion and, you know, do what I can. And the other reason I'm sort of this alternative Mormon or like a little bit of an oddity is because Mormonism is such like a literalistic religion where like it's either true or it's not a lot of these people that leave, they just abandon religion. And I'm not saying that's wrong. People can do whatever they want, um, but they choose to become sort of like atheists or nihilists or like just, they just don't want it, anything to do with religion. And like I say, that that's their choice. Um, but I actually still have a belief in Jesus. I still consider myself a Christian. Um, although nowadays I kind of call myself a Christian agnostic. We're like, yeah, I, be- I believe in God. I believe in, in Jesus but like it's not really defined it's kind of loose um but i want to keep that belief cuz it's like yeah that you know that that belief resonates with me i like that and so that's 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 what my podcast is all about is like uh taking the good and leaving the bad uh trying to be you know respectful respectful to the faith i'm trying to build sort of a non-threatening environment for both active mormons uh transitioning mormons and ex mormons so that they don't feel like I'm, you know, attacking their religion and so that they can feel safe about that. So, so yeah, that, <clears throat> that, that's kind of the idea there. Um, as far as what transitioning looks like um, it is, it is sort of probably weird to a lot of religious people. Cause like Catholics um, and, and not, I've been railing on Catholics a lot. I, I have respect for Catholics. I don't mean to rail on them, um, but you know, the typical Catholic is like, you go to church on Easter and Christmas, right? And so, like, to a Catholic, it's like, what? Like, you don't go to church, so you're not a Mormon? Like, that doesn't make sense. And, um, but in, in the church, like, there's definitely, like, a set of expectations to follow, you know, like, don't drink alcohol or go to church every sunday all this stuff. Yeah. And so like within the church there's this distinction between like a full believing member and then someone who just kind of transitions away. So I still call myself a Mormon. That's why I call myself the alternative Mormon is because like I'm I'm weird but like like I was saying earlier like these are my ancestors, right? So like culturally I'm very much a Mormon. Like um I'm well, I won't say how old I am uh, just cause I don't want to give docs too much personal information, but like, you know, I'm 33. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and I've never, I've never drinking alcohol. So it's like, I'm weird. Right. Like that's super weird. Not that interesting. It's Well, terrifying. yeah. I mean, for some people, you know, it's their life, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Go
1: to Wisconsin sometime. They drink yeah. everyone else under the table.
0: <laughs> there you go. But like, so there's aspects of my upbringing that are just like, I'm super weird. Right. And like, I've just come to like love the weirdness of my upbringing, weirdness of my culture. And like, I am a Mormon and like, I've had people like, as I've started promoting my podcast, I've had some members of the church push back and say like, Oh, you're not a Mormon. You're not allowed to use that title. I'm like, why not? Like, sure. I don't believe it, but like, I feel like I can identify however I want. Like, and, and that sounds maybe kind of arrogant, but it's like, look, like if I feel like I'm still a Mormon, like, yeah, I don't believe it and I'm different, but like, yeah, I it's very much a part of who I am. And and I have, you know, basically 30 years of life in the church. Why would I how how could I just forget that and pretend like it wasn't a major part of my life, you know?
1: Yeah. We're um so you guys never did like the Sunday thing where they give you wine, like the blood of Christ?
0: That no, sounds- so so we do uh we do it with water and bread. Oh, awesome. And not fun. uh yeah, it's no fun. Yeah, that would have been a lot funner as a kid to be like, "Oh, sweet, I get a little, you know, a little bit of wine."
1: Still looks no. taste good. Yeah, I'm
0: sure it does. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's water and bread. If you if you know, it, to anyone that's curious, like honestly, like look up a Mormon church, near you, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Visitors are welcome. I will warn you like you're going to get um you're going to be really welcomed but you're going to be like weirded out how welcomed you are like you're probably going to get swarmed and people are going to like try to get missionaries to teach you and try to baptize you and stuff but like if you want to learn about it like i'm a little bit jaded right so like you're going to get a little bit of a biased take from me but like go to the go to the horse's mouth in a sense like if you're curious because like yeah you can see a service it's not they do have temples that you have to be a member to go to, but their church services, like anyone can go to, you can go take the sacrament. You can go listen to what they talk about. Um, you can, you know, now I'm now I'm sounding like I'm proselytizing for them, but like you can have the missionaries come visit you if you want. Um, to answer your earlier question of how to get them to avoid you, like honestly, as a missionary, I loved talking to people. And I loved like a lot of people were over overly nice to me. Like Indiana people are, well, you're from the Midwest. Like you get it. Like people are nice, yeah. right? um i had a few instances where people you know there are a lot of people that are antagonistic i had very few instances where people actually were like f you and slammed the door in my face like that happened but it was rare and so like i'd encourage you to be nice to missionaries you know they're usually like 19 year old kids and so
1: they are yeah they dress nice though that's nice. yeah they, they
0: dress nice you know unfortunately they have to wear white shirts and ties on bikes which like you know you're getting your slacks caught in the chain of your bike and all sorts of fun stuff but But yeah, I mean, like if, if, if people want to learn, like have the missionaries come teach you, honestly, like, um, you don't have to be baptized. If you have the missionaries teach you, they'll teach you to get rid of them. Just like, honestly, tell them like, look, like to be honest with you, I just wanted to learn about your faith. Thank you so much. I'm never going to get baptized and they'll probably drop you because, um, they are taught, you know, I was taught as a missionary. Okay. Seek out those who are actually committed that aren't going to just waste your time and, and learn lessons, Mm. but they always have this, this like thread of hope that you're going to switch your mind and become, and and maybe you do. I, I don't honestly, I don't care if people convert to Mormonism. I think if that's what brings them happiness, like there are some people who leave the church and they just want to like, they want to prevent people from joining or they want to prevent, make people leave. And it's like, I feel like that's immoral of me. Like if someone finds happiness or peace for them and their family, like that would be immoral of me to go out of my way to tear that down. That just seems kind of douchey to me. Yeah. Um, but like, Yeah. I mean, if, if people are curious, like it's pretty easy to get in touch with the missionaries, you can have four or five lessons with them. Um, and then just tell them, yeah, I'm not interested and and they will leave you alone. They might text you a few more times or, or nag you or whatever. But like, um, if, if you want, you know, I'm, I'm going to be biased in the non-believing direction. If you want a bias take in the believing direction and you're just curious what it's like. Yeah. Reach out to the missionaries, go to a church service, like uh, there that that is one of the best things about Mormonism like very welcoming to non-members so I'd encourage anyone yeah. who's curious you know check that out or check out my podcast a <laughs> little bit of you yeah, know there'll, shameless there'll plug. be links in the show notes yeah yeah there'll, yeah there'll, there'll
1: be links and the intro should uh should, should build you up there as well though I, I just didn't know if there's like a way to like you know like with snails you put salt around them and then they can't leave the circle I don't know if like I put like salt down on my driveway or something like yeah I <laughs> <love> it. <laughs> like, I don't um being a smart ass though um, no just, I was no like, you're just be polite and say no thank you
0: yeah, the the easiest way, uh, that's a good question cuz let me think of my time as a missionary what made me stop going to people's house. Well, the easiest way like honestly <clears throat> is to be a total jackass to him, but like I wouldn't recommend that, that seems because I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's it's like mean, I think right? a no
1: thank you seems effective if they are. A no
0: thank you mean seems somewhat effective. Like if you literally don't want them there, like you could berate them, but like I say, I wouldn't recommend that cuz I think that's not nice because like then they will put notes in there like they have well nowadays they have iPads when I was a missionary you know we were pen and paper and binders of notes on on we call them the area book so you would make a note that says like this house does not like missionaries do not knock on this door unless you want to be cussed at and uh, so like that's the easiest way but I don't think that's the most moral way um yeah. but I mean like honestly if if you really were annoyed with missionaries, you could even tell them like, hey, like I know you guys keep notes on like houses and stuff. Like, will you make a note? We we call it like a do not contact, like just like please don't come back. <laughs> and then hopefully they'll leave you alone. But no, I don't I don't know of any secret rituals or uh or things yeah. to say to make them permanently leave you alone, unfortunately.
1: Okay. All right, yeah. Because like there was a there's there's been a couple times where you know I, I watch horror film, films every now and again. And so I was just like, if this was like at 7 p.m., just right at dusk you know, and you see just, like, a bunch of people dressed, like, really nicely, and they, like, huddle up, and they just slowly start descending <laughs> the neighborhood. It's like, this is kind of ominous. It's like, they just want to talk about religion, but, like, it's, like, in the, the setup, sometimes i like, how can you make it kind of, like, ominous? If, like, it was just at dusk, and they came out, and, like, I've just seen them just, like, meet, and they're always really nice, and so I, I just feel like, uh, there's, like, uh, there's just a couple of horror movies that basically start with that premise, so I'm, like, I'm always like, oh, this is interesting, but, uh, so then, at the same time, it would be kind of ironic, with the sense that like you're kind of like a an alternative Mormon, you know. It's people more than likely are going to be more open to what you have to say. So mm-hmm. it would be ironic if more people go into Mormonism because of you.
0: Yeah, that that would be weird, and I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, and and to be fair, like my podcast may be difficult for some people to listen to if they don't have a Mormon background, because I don't mm-hmm. usually and and I don't mean this offensively, but I don't usually like slow down to explain mormonese if that makes sense like i just kind of assume people know what i'm talking about and and i'm actually trying to do that better in my episodes because i am recognizing like you know i might have some some people who watch my show who aren't familiar with this um and so i am trying to do a better job of like explaining terms and stuff but so my my target audience is a little bit niche you know it's it's probably like people who are somewhat familiar with mormonism but no that that would be funny. And like, honestly, like, I don't, I don't care. Like if, like I say, if people are happy about it, um, you know, if, if people want to ask me, like if people are thinking about converting and they want a non or maybe a less biased take, than they'll get from the missionaries. I mean, they could email me and ask me and I'd say, yeah, you know, that's great. Maybe check out these issues, <laughs> check out these yeah. problems. And, uh, if you're comfortable with these issues and these problems and you can reconcile then yeah, go ahead. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't mind.
1: Yeah. So, um, What, what were the things that you feel lied to about?
0: So, like I said, Mormonism is a very literalistic black and white view. So like, it is important. Like if the book of Mormon isn't what it says it is, well, then we have problems, right? Because then that means Joseph Smith was at best uh, twisting the truth, at worst, a fraud or a con man. And so there's a big emphasis on that in the church. And like, um, I don't think the church purposefully hides or purposefully deceives, but it, like any organization, it's going to share the stuff that matches its best interest. Right. And amazingly, like I've had doubts my whole life about aspects of the Book of Mormon um, or about these prophets, you know, are they, do we follow the prophets? Are they infallible? And No, of course they're fallible they're people um but like it took me it took me a long time to finally i don't want to say see the light because that would be offensive to active members but like to finally be able to be like whoa 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 there's problems like so so i kind of mentioned the book of mormon like it's been proven no native americans aren't israelites you know like this the whole book of mormon narrative is kind of sketchy anyway because like it's these gold plates that it was supposedly written on. And after Joseph Smith translated it, it was convenient that, you know, the angel take the gold plates back. We don't have them today. No one can translate them to get it today. Um, Joseph Smith using his prophetic power supposedly um, translated this ancient Egyptian papyrus and said, Oh, these are writings of the patriarch Abraham when he was in Egypt. And um, As luck would have it for Joseph Smith, that papyrus burned up in the Great Chicago Fire. It was in a museum in Chicago. However, years later, people found fragments of the papyrus. Remember, the Rosetta Stone was in like 1850 or something. And so like when Joseph Smith was doing this, no one could translate Egyptian. But now we have these fragments of the papyrus. They're like, this isn't Abraham. This is just a common funeral death scroll about preparing a body for the afterlife that the egyptians always have you know there's even pictures of like the canopic jars under a body being sacrificed or not sacrificed uh prepared as a mummy and he says well this is abraham being sacrificed by an idolatrous priest and we're like well no egyptians and egypt egyptologists today say no this is very clearly just a picture of someone being prepared for mummification and so like thing after thing after thing. And I knew the crazy thing is like, even before I went on my mission, when I was 18, I knew about this stuff, but like there were apologetic, I don't know if you're familiar with like the branch of, or of Apollo, they call it like apologetics or apologists. Like you have those in Christianity too. So basically an apologist is someone in religion who can logically make an argument against like a secular argument. Right. So like an atheist would like, even with the Bible, there's, there's biblical apologists who say, well, yeah, sure, you know, you have us here, but using this logic, it's still true. So there's tons of Mormon apologists. So there's like logical answers to these questions, but eventually like you start looking at the logic, you know, like, like to you probably because you're, you weren't born in Mormonism, you probably hear like gold plates and angels taking it away and translating Egyptian. And you're like, what the heck? Like, this is so weird, but like growing up in it, you're like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. And then like, it just takes a while to sort of like deprogram your brain to like, look at it objectively and be like, Whoa, wait a minute. Like, this is, this is a little weird. And then, you know, like if it's true, then great. But like, you have to think deeply about it and be like, well, do I really think this is true? And after a while, I just came to the conclusion I I didn't.
1: Hmm. That makes sense. And then, um, is there like, even, so but the, the i imagine that the, the core belief systems and stuff still work so like um having like many kids is probably something that you're probably keen on i mean many many people want kids so like it's not like that big of a difference i think it's just more like the population size um how do you like and this is like not i'm not like a personal question like i don't want to like know your bank statements but i'm just kind of curious because like everyone has so many kids like how do people afford all the kids
0: yeah so um that's a good question that culture is shifting a little bit. Um, I definitely grew up still in the many kid culture, and uh, you know I think that's a little that's a byproduct of a couple things. Like I said, early Mormons were polygamous. For the record, like Mormons haven't been polygamous. Uh, well, the main branch of Mormonism haven't been polygamous. You you can still see like the sister wives on HBO and stuff. Like yeah. those are the fundamentalists, and they've held on to that. But for like a hundred more than a hundred years. Uh, I think it's like 130 years, Mormons haven't been polygamists, but I, the idea, well, one of the ideas of polygamy was probably to try to have more kids, um, even though that's, you know, kind of a screwed up justification for that. But um, so I think that's one of the byproducts also like Mormons are pretty conservative type Christians, you know, just like you would see with a Catholic, you know, back in the day that like, you know, you're not expected to have birth control. You're expected to just, you know. Basically, if if you're having sex, it's to make children. That was kind of Mormonism for a while, too. I I was that wasn't the case so much when I came around, but there still is a a huge importance on family, Um, even large families. And and I still know people in Utah who have large families. I don't have a large family. Personally, I have I have two kids and um, there's a good chance that's probably where I'm going to stop. But, you know, you never know but I, I was the youngest of six. So like, yeah, I, I had a big family. Um, my dad wasn't uh, exceptionally wealthy. Uh, and sorry, my parents weren't exceptionally wealthy. My, my mom didn't work. She was a stay at home mom. And honestly, when I was a kid, like I have very vague memories of my dad and it's my, my dad's a great guy. I, I have lots of respect for him, but you know, when I was a kid, because there were six kids in the house still, like, I think he was working two or three jobs, you know, try to <laughs> support six kids. um, And so, yeah, I mean, there are some who are successful and wealthy and can make that work, but there's also some that it's a struggle, but I think it's a struggle they're they're willing to have. And and I mean, I, I agree with that. If people have kids, I think having kids are great. You know, um, it's not for everybody. Obviously, as a human race, like it has to happen or, you know, we're going to go extinct or, or our economies will go upside down or whatever. But like, yeah, I I think it's a good thing. I think it's a worthy cause. Um, but I personally, I would rather have less kids be able to give them what they need, give them the attention they need than have, you know, six to 10 kids or something. I, I don't envy the Mormon parents that end up. Yeah. Having a whole little clan.
1: Yeah. I, I used to think it'd be fun to have like 20 kids and then have like a town and have like a like have like a town i just call it loulton just like a ton of lols but it's like you know that's a lot of, that's a lot of time and attention or else it's like turn uh feral and start attacking me or something you know like like you know they need direction and stuff or else it doesn't go well
0: yeah yeah you uh if you're actually interested in that you should check out some of the fundamentalist mormon communities and you could have you can have multiple wives too while you're at it
1: i don't think my my wife would like that i feel like <laughs> competition
0: I don't I don't think most do. I don't think most do.
1: (laughs) It feels like a bad I mean it feels like a bad rap for everybody because like I mean how I'm not saying it's difficult you know like to you know have only one partner but at the same time it's like imagine multiplying the complexity of partners you know it's like one one wife seems like enough to fill my cup you know so if I had like multiple it's like well my cup's just like overflowing and i like I'm like starting to like twitch a lot when I go out in public or something. You know, it's like where where do I go to relax? Like I'm just getting badgered the second I come home or something. I don't know. It just yeah. sounds like for the guy, it doesn't sound like all that fun. And then from the women, I don't know if that sounds all that fun either.
0: Yeah, yeah, polygamy definitely has um some issues with it, especially you know, you see it especially in the fundamentalist. Mormons today, but you see it in church history too, especially when there's like young girls involved and like coercion involved, like that's obviously jacked up. Um, But even if it's consenting adults that do it, I just don't think it works out because yeah, like personally, I don't have the emotional energy um, to have multiple wives and yeah, then there's the jealousy and rightly so the jealousy of having multiple wives, you know, these these fundamentalists like communities, like if you look up um, for whatever reason, people are like fascinated with it now. So, like, you have you know, like the sister wives. There's a documentary on Warren Jeffs, who that one. That's a gross documentary because Warren Jeffs is just a pervert. Um, see he's the in, guy, he's I, a guy. I remember
1: now. seeing. I remember seeing one where they're following a couple of Mormon families, and apparently, like the women pick out the next wife. And he, they were like talking about how like sometimes they find the implication was that sometimes they find young women. And um, and he was the guy looked in the cameras like sometimes you just have to be patient. And like there's like little little girls running around It's like, oh, the camera people are clearly like, you know, whatever. But I was like, oh, my God, I don't know which one that was. I don't, don't know the, if that like, was
0: him. He he was married. So he was the leader of the fundamentalist sect, And uh, yeah, he was married to like 11 and 12 year old girls. And like it's it's gross because like he's he's in jail for child rape. And so you know, hopefully he rots in jail and then the prison rots on him. Cause yeah, those type of people don't deserve to be in our society. But, um, so yeah, that's gross, but like, there are lots of documentaries about fundamentalist Mormons and polygamists, because I think like, I don't know whether it's just like our culture of just like loving the shock factor, but like, people are fascinated by it. And there's even like, like, if you look at the sister wives, I can't remember their names they sort of make it work. And like, you know, the sister wives kind of work together. They're kind of raising the kids together. And it's like, well, maybe that works. Like it's not normal or like what we tend to resonate with in society. But it's like, if they make it work, I don't, I mean, I'm kind of libertarian in nature, nature. So I'm like, well, if it's consenting adults and like, they're making it work, like eh, sure. (laughs) You know,
1: I feel like from just the population statistics, there's more men than women. So then like, how does that work out? There's like a bunch of like lonely Mormons that sit in the corner just like being jealous.
0: Well, the fundamentalists actually, they like will outcast their teenage boys sometimes because oh. yeah, they they have to, uh, and they'll it's send them like, like ranches and stuff. Yeah, they'll, because I mean, yeah, they got to, yeah, exactly like lions. <laughs> They've, uh you know, the old senior men have to make room for all their future wives.
1: Yeah, there's a, I think, that, I don't know if this is a true story anymore, uh, but there's this like, uh, Freud put, uh, proposed this idea of a primal father. So, like, in the olden days, there was, like, one person, he, he got to have sex with all the women. So then the rest of the guys were like, well, this sucks. So then they, ki- they killed him and ate him. So, so they would have the ability to have sex with multiple people. So it sounds like in these fundamentalist societies, they should take, you know, similar dads to, like, a cliff face. You'd be like
0: oh no he slipped. <laughs> what happened <laughs> yeah you would think if they rose up together they could <laughs> yeah make something work right yeah I don't, I don't yeah know. they just like push
1: know. them off and then it's like oh a bunch of widows are now on the market you know, yeah know. <laughs> well you know, the wives are being on it too
0: well I think there's something to be said about that because like um you know these and I'm not gonna hesitate with the fundamentalists because I think they are very cult like these cults like if, if everybody rose up against them, they'd, they'd be powerless. Right. But there's a certain degree of like mind control and authority and fear that's get struck into their believers. And so, yeah, it kind of paralyzes them, but yeah, I think you're exactly right. There's enough, there's enough people who could rise up against the power systems that it shouldn't work. But once, you know, you get the psychology involved in it for whatever reason it does.
1: Yeah. How did your, um, I don't think the entirety of your social network knows that you're transitioning out. But the podcast is kind of a giveaway at a certain point, how are they responding to it?
0: Yeah. So, so you and I talked about this a little bit on email. So I, I only go by my first name. Um, Tom isn't a pseudonym. It is, it is my first name. I don't use my last name when I podcast. Um, And it's not because I'm doing anything secret. I mean, technically if I speak out against the church, I could receive some discipline from the church and what that could look like is either like being excommunicated from the church or something, but like that's, that's as bad as it could get. Right. Um, but the main reason I don't use my full name is just in case like someone happens to be Googling my full name and they come across me. That's like my family members that don't know about it. So there is like some social backlash. Most of my, well, actually all of my immediate family. So like siblings, parents, um, my in-laws, they all know. And uh, in fact, many of my siblings actually left the church before I did. Um, but my my full believing and active members of my family, eventually they're going to find out about it. I'm kind of just putting off the inevitable. Um, And I'd rather, you know, be the one that tells them rather than them happen across it and be like, oh my goodness, you know, Tom's podcasting and going public about his gripes with the church and I don't know. I like I say, I'm probably just putting off the inevitable. And then there's certain people that it's like, you know what? Like, and and I don't mean this disrespectful to my extended family, but it's like there's certain people, like aunts, uncles, you know, even my grandma. It's like I don't know if they need to know. And it's like it would probably do more harm than good to find out that you know I'm I'm on my way out. And like I say, like it's not my mo to try to convince people, but but yeah, you know, Mormonism. There is social backlash. It's not as bad as like um, like the Amish or like, or like Scientology, like, you know, like Amish people, if they choose not to live the Amish life, I think they basically get shunned depending on the level of strictness in the Amish community. I, I, I haven't gotten shunned, but my relationships have definitely changed, you know, and, and especially like, yeah, pe- people are, and it, it, it makes people sad and they think, you know, cause if you believe the religion, like your eternal per your eternal salvation is on the line. Right. So like it comes out of a place of love, but it's definitely culturally like it's different, especially in Utah where like you're surrounded by active Mormons. (laughs) If you, like I say, if you go down to salt Lake, uh, I think the majority is non Mormon now. I mean, it didn't used to be that way, but the majority is non Mormon. Now, you know, it's a bunch of heathens in Salt Lake city. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, um, but outside in the more, in the less, or in the more suburban or rural areas, you're, yeah, you're still predominantly surrounded by Mormons.
1: Um, do, do the Mormons have, a, like, so for Amish, they have a, some of them have this thing called rum sprayer, where, like, for a couple of years they can go run around and they come back. <clears throat> so they have a sense of, like, what the world looks like. Is there a Mormon equivalent of that for these, like, these things where, like, they say, hey, you can go out and, like, try stuff. So, you know, like, this is what you want. Or is they just kind of expect you to always be in the groove.
0: Um, no. And, and Mormons are very much like, you know, like Jesus in the new Testament says be in the world, but not of the world. So that would be kind of the Mormon way. Like, like you don't, you don't have your own communities. We don't dress different. Uh, we probably talk different, you know, and, and act different. Um, there's not a formal thing. I would say a lot of LDS, you know, Mormon kids do get that when they go to college, even at BYU, like BYU is an LDS school, but like, from what I've heard, fortunately, I didn't go to BYU. I'm not a BYU fan, um, but like, What's wrong with it? Uh, I just don't like the athletics personally. But uh, <laughs> oh, okay, so it's like a sports I, thing. Yeah, I, I there's there's some rivalries in the state with uh, with football and stuff. But anyway, um, also I have a problem with the cultural aspects, but that's a whole different conversation. But even at BYU, a church-run school, like you can still find partying and you know people having sex and drinking and drugs and stuff it's probably not quite to the same degree. So I would just say like, there's not a formal go out and live in the world, but there's like, it happens, you know, it, it definitely, informally happens just, just like anybody, right? Like even if, even if someone has kind of conservative Christian parents, they go off to college and they uh, maybe start drinking or start going to parties and stuff. So yeah, just kind of the same type of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I could see a TV show called the alternative Mormons with an S and yeah. it's like you and your brothers and then like some that are still in it and it's like how you guys all work together to like you know still have some type of thing going on i think that'd go well like as a tv show like the first the first episode is just like you like breaking the news and then like the rest of the season is just like the ramifications of this it's like everyone like like your brothers get followed your parents get followed and stuff um but at the same time why would you want to do that unless they pay you a lot of money so hopefully yeah yeah
0: i money. mean maybe so you're saying maybe i should reach out to like hbo or somebody and see if they're <laughs>
1: uh, I mean depending on your <clears throat> you could probably like kickstart it yourself or do like a clear thing. I mean, how much equipment do you really need? How many people do you really need? And you know, you have enough siblings that are, you know, uh you could probably like give them like ten bucks and be, like hold this camera for a minute or something. There you go. Um, you could probably like jerry it yourself, I think. Go go yeah. viral on YouTube. Yeah. Or uh TikTok, but I'm hoping TikTok gets banned. I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm I'm on, I'm on i uh uh I get comments now that I keep making comments about it. Like I like people write me, like, why do you want TikTok to be banned? It's like that they're because like they're chinese spies everything. yeah <laughs> yeah it's like they're watching everything there's a, a person who was saying that uh like the there was like chinese um cameras or something like some type of like infrastructure system that was put around, across the midwest and they know where the nuclear things are because they're not allowed to move the camera more this way like they can't like double mm-hmm. it to this one area so they have like a sense where they are but like nothing stops them from just like moving the camera like well, plus like, plus
0: we had a balloon go over our whole country right so
1: yeah I don't know what that's about I don't know if like who cares is it a balloon or, I mean like they have satellites like they don't need a
0: balloon like, yeah well I stupid. I have a theory on that I I know sure. this is totally uh unrelated we're getting off topic but it seems to it's me it seems to me that that was a test a little bit of China saying well I wonder what happens if we invade their airspace if they'll shoot us down immediately which in my opinion I think we failed that test <laughs> I think China now thinks they can invade our airspace so I I have issues with how it was handled, but this isn't, we're not necessarily talking politics. We can, if you want, I love politics too. So yeah, but
1: we can go in that direction. I think people have a, we can go anywhere, you know, whatever interests us, but uh, yeah, I don't know. The nice thing about America is we have two giant moats called the Pacific and Atlantic Ocean. So like no one's really going to mess with us. We have a giant Navy, so no one really can mess with us. Globalization is kind of built on the back of Americans, which people bitch about, but overall, like more people are out of poverty because of globalization yeah um like there's there's depending on the next 10 years ago like there might not be anyone who goes hungry in america like in the world which might yeah, be yeah i like, think that'd be awesome that'd be pretty cool yeah and versus like you know pre-world war ii where the british were like the superpower they they built everything so that everything would just like flow to them mm-hmm. like america we like we guard the infrastructure like the the trade routes but if, if china wants to trade with japan using the safety of the waters that we've pro- like projected like we're fine with that yeah but then you know i'm sure we have like some pretty good uh deals you know off the back of that as well
0: yeah america is interesting because um you know we got like the nuclear the nuclear bomb we got the biggest stick and we were the first person not to use it Uh, i mean we did use it obviously but we could have used it for global domination pretty easily in my opinion and instead we used it to promote world peace which is that's probably controversial because some people would say, well, no, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, that's not really world peace. But if you look at the the uh, opposite of what could have happened, I would argue it did bring world peace. So <laughs>
1: Yeah. I, I think wasn't like projected like a million a million soldiers would die yeah, in, in yeah. the first week. Right. Including like all the civilians and stuff that were just gonna die.
0: Right. Which obviously like there's moral implications, right? Do you do you play God and and take that out of the hands by killing innocent civilians? I think, I think we've learned a lot from that, but, but no, to, to talk, speaking of giant moats, you know, I think we did have the moats until we started making ICBMs and now, now they're making hypersonic ICBMs, which is kind of terrifying. Cause how do you shoot something that's going faster than the speed of sound that's heading towards your country? But I'm not a military expert. I'm, I'm just a Mormon, you know? So, but, yeah. but if, if you start talking politics with me, I, I'm kind of a nerd about that kind of stuff too. So I'll, I'll start going off, but anyway i apologize sure.
1: uh no it's all good I, I instigated it what do you think about a private prisons i personally hate them and i don't know why they exist a private what private prisons
0: prisons oh sorry i thought you said presidents at first um i actually haven't thought much about private prisons um i think at a minimum our justice system sucks i think it needs a lot of work you know um as, as a self-identifying libertarian, I think there's too many people going to prison for uh, victimless crimes, you know, possession of marijuana and stuff like that, you know, especially... Yeah, you just tax it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. I, I think, you know, legalize it, tax it. Um, and especially when, um, when the people who are harmed by the victimless crimes tend to be predominantly non-white people you know that that is problematic and i to to pretend like the justice system is perfect is is wrong um now is our justice system better than a lot of countries yes <laughs> you know look at look at russia look at you know north korea look at the islamic states in the middle east like yeah our justice system is a lot better but that doesn't mean it doesn't have room to improve mm-hmm. I, ha- I haven't thought a lot about private prisons why why do you think they're such a bad idea
1: Um, they, they tend to just be very, um, they cut as many costs as possible. And I think fundamentally our prison system was meant to be like, Hey, we help people get back on track. Like you get punished for what you did, but you get back on track. Right. And at a certain point it just became about punishing people. And then private prisons just, I think there's a lot more suffering that happens in them because they're trying to cut costs as much as possible and make as much money. But there's people that will, um, have illnesses and stuff and they'll just like kind of like kick the can kick the can until you're out of the prison yeah and now it's an even bigger problem but now you have to take care of it yourself so you have to find insurance and now you have a pre-existing condition so it's like if the idea is to get people from a state of uh not doing right things to doing right things uh it just kind of it just kind of like takes from them to such an extent that they can't stand on their feet when they're out in prisons themselves like it's not like we have a great transition system as it is but it just seems like there's a lot more abuse that happens in private prisons than public prisons. Um, at the same time, I'm going to be uh, talking to someone from Rutgers Island, so I'll be uh, I can ask like specifically like what are the differences. But from the outside, it seems that like profit designed from how many people you have in your prison probably doesn't work very well to getting people to not come back to prison. There's a, there's been a couple of cases where like uh, judges and some um, uh, I think private prisons were like working on a deal where the judge was sending more than was required. So that, and then the judge would get a kickback and stuff. I think it's it's a wrong incentive system.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, and I think it is funny to me because like, um, you know, some people, especially like Republicans push back on socialism, which is fine. But like, I'm like, you do realize like we're already socialists in a lot of ways, you know, like our prison system, our roads, um, utilities. Yeah. You know, like when you look at utilities, like the only thing we have that's not public is like electricity, at least in Utah, you know, we have private electricity and private natural gas. Everything else is public. It's, uh, you know, water systems, sewer systems, roads. And uh, I'm, I'm a civil engineer by profession, so that's why I'm talking about utilities. But um, so, yeah, it's, you know, obviously like we as a people decided, okay, um, schools, we do, we still have private schools. We still believe in school choice, but for the most part, everybody goes to public schools, you know, roads, we decided we don't want private toll roads everywhere. And so it's like, we, we are socialized in certain aspects. So it's like, it's just a, it's a question of what's the degree of social of socialism that we want. And, and, and that's why I, now I, I do identify myself as a libertarian, but I'm not like a full blown libertarian that I think like, schools should be all private roads should be all private you know no restraints on the free market the reason i'm a libertarian is i just think the government's gone out of hand i think it's gotten too big and so i think we should scale it back if the government started to scale it back i would probably no longer be a libertarian because i'd say okay we've gone far enough <laughs> you know it's it's just this small government mindset that okay let's let the free market work itself out a little bit more let's you know not uh, let, let the government's really in my mind the government's there to enforce the rules the government's there to make sure element uh you know fundamental freedoms are protected life liberty the pursuit of happiness um but but beyond that the government shouldn't they should be a rule or a referee they shouldn't be a player in the game is is kind of how i see it so
1: mm-hmm. so I, I imagine Thomas jefferson is like one of your favorite presidents then
0: yeah yeah for sure
1: yeah what are, what are your other like if you had like five that you like the most
0: Oh, that's a hard question. Um, none of the last few, <laughs> because that's Get, the opposite. Just counting it, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, okay. if, if you look at the uh, if you look at the executive orders, I don't know if you've seen those graphs of like the executive orders. Like it's oh, it started lot, going up with George W. Bush, Obama. It just went crazy, and then Donald Trump's was like, Phew! and now Biden. It's like the minute I think it was like the first day he was in, he had like forty-eight executive orders mm-hmm. or something like that, and it's like. Yeah, it, the president was not intended to be that powerful, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you read the early documentation. So, um that's a hard question. I yeah, I I like a lot of the, you know, founding father presidents and um yeah, Thomas Jefferson's definitely one of the best. I agree.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I don't I, know if I could I, I don't know if I could pick five, but that's a yeah, good. Yeah, that's all
1: good. But I'm I'm reading uh, biographies on every president, so like I How are that's you? why I ask. Yeah, um I'm up to polk but that i cheat as well because i've already read fdr uh i've read the roosevelts i've read uh, lbj like everything from like the 1900s to the 1960s i already did this so So what's your
0: what's your opinion on fdr i'm curious
1: um i mean i i I used to like him in concept because i think he did some interesting things i think the new deal is like there's a lot of really great things there i don't like the like the ditch digging and then filling it like there's a if you if you look at like the the things that were built from that stuff like most post offices were built with those types of grants which i think is really great so he um built out the infrastructure for like success to happen so i thought it was really good so i thought i'd like him more as i read more about him but then when i read more about him i ended up liking his wife more eleanor i thought like mm-hmm. i went in thinking like oh eleanor you know like people like what is she, what did she do i don't know which maybe is offensive to some people but like i didn't know anything about her i went in and i thought by then it was like wow FGR is kind of a piece of shit and <laughs> eleanor knows what's up like FGR had this like this thing where he'd surround himself with pretty decent people but then at certain points he would be like I'm gonna work on something secret, and I'm gonna whip it out and flat, you know, whack people in the face with it. And he's like, "Why aren't people liking it?" Like he he had he had so much capacity to do even more than what he was intending to do if he just like learned to play with other people nicely. Yeah, like he just it, like it really went to his head. And I think the some of the things that kept him grounded was his wife. So I I went I kind of got changed a little bit in terms of thinking he was like a, more of an interesting guy. If you were if you were to ask me which is my favorite Roosevelt, uh, Teddy by like oh yeah teddy roosevelt school is way more interesting um i like some of the things he did i think he did a good job with like the war effort mobilizing it but at the same time i think it was he was pretty good at recognizing talent like uh douglas not douglas MacArthur, uh marshall the guy who was like the chief of staff for the whole war effort he was just like a one colonel when he first met uh uh fdr but the fdr was like oh that's the guy to put in charge because everyone else was basically having a world war one mindset of like entrenchment all this bullshit. he was the only one who was saying like no we can't throw that out because germany yeah. isn't playing by that with that rule book anymore we we can't do that combined arms all these other things so he's good at putting people in good places and, and but sometimes he ignored them which was not yeah. great but that's my opinion i think the new deal stuff i think it was it, it had a great deal of potential the problem is that it went towards people who my my, my thing with it is that it went towards people who knew how to uh, lobby and get stuff done and so like which is a good thing, right? You want things to go to the people who know what to do with it. The problem at the time was it was basically New York City. So New York City went from like Chicago to being like this massive thing because they had uh, Rob Moses in there who knew how to take money and build it into projects, bridges, uh, highways, all these different things. He knew how to translate it wherever else I really could have used that stuff. Didn't really know how to do that. So like, I think it was like 67% of all that type of money that was put out there just went to New York City. I would like to see other places.
0: Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I have a little bit of experience in my profession dealing with federal grants and and stuff mm. like that too. And yeah, it it tends there tends to be a lot of fat, a lot of bloating, and there's people who profit extremely handsomely off government grants and knowing how to work the system. And yeah, I I, I just ask because FDR is probably one of my least favorite presidents because I he he instituted the Federal Reserve, right? I think well. so. So so yeah he you know he really changed our economics a lot and uh, and and yeah it was very much the keynesian economics of throw money in the system and and make inflation happen and make it grow and you know obviously it worked in the new deal but there's questions of the ramifications are worth it like you're talking about so yeah
1: yeah you would want to have a gold standard want to go back to gold and silver
0: I like the idea of it I don't I think it's too late now um but yeah I, there's
1: not a lot of, there's not enough minerals
0: well i i just think we've gone so far from it how do you how do you reverse that you know um, be a
1: giant depression oh yeah like like maybe even a century
0: right i mean we rely on the inflationary periods right of the you know if you go to econ 101 which is about as broad as my economics knowledge is but um you know you have those inflation recession graphs that you always see in basic economics classes and it's like we we rely on both the dips and the up uh, so yeah i don't know how how you would do it nowadays but but yeah def- definitely was a change and you know if you look at you look at our inflation today and then um especially in utah i don't know if you're feeling this where you live but like our house prices were going nuts for a year after the pandemic and um, like i said i'm in crashing. Yeah, and I'm in I'm in engineering, so like I also saw like construction prices, like material prices were going crazy, and supply times were awful. And then the Federal Reserve, you know, uh, Jerome Powell decided, oh, I should probably do something. And it was like so reactionary. They start reacting by changing the inflation or the interest rates, and it's like it. The problem I have with the Federal Reserve is I just think people are inherently fallible and so as soon as you put that much power in a chair or in a group of people you know the fed then there's just so much they they have their hands on the controls of the economy and it's it's a little alarming you know i think they're probably doing okay probably better than i would be doing i'm sure but but yeah i i like the free market principles of it just working out and Mm you know, I, I think the inflationary period that happened was because of people. And I think now we're heading towards a recession and that's probably because of people. (laughs) So, you know, maybe if we were a little more proactive rather than reactive, we wouldn't be feeling that, but we feel it a lot in Utah. Um, house prices went crazy and now interest rates have gone up and now they're just kind of, you know, flatlining. So.
1: Yeah. On one hand, that doesn't sound good for anyone who's looking for a house uh, or bought a house. On the other hand, uh, Sounds like there's gonna be a great a bunch of great deals <laughs> coming yeah. next year. Oh, I'm nice. sure. Yeah, uh, that. But I, I think sometimes, like, what would I do if I was like, if I was like, when I critique a system, I think, what would I do if I was in charge? Like, if I, what would I do if I was like uh, conceptually, like, you know, one of the leaders of the Mormon Church, for example? But if I was like the president of the United States, what would I do if I for, was coming in? If I was Joe Biden, and I like I really didn't like what Trump was doing or whatever, and I wanted to like get a lot done. I would I would have like as soon as I was confirmed as president, that entire time I'd have people just drafting executive orders. And the second, oh yeah, <laughs> the second my hand left the Bible, you just see like twenty aides run down and it's just going, and like everyone's like freaking out, like what is what is what is little doing? What is little doing? It's like like, like within like ten minutes, like I've just like recreated everything in my image. Um, well,
0: that that's funny, right? Because like that's exactly what happened with the last two presidents. Like yeah. Trump's first executive orders were just reneging on everything Obama did. And then Biden did the exact same thing. So it's it's kind of funny because their first executive orders aren't really accomplishing anything. They're just saying, oh, we don't want to do this. Like, you know, like Trump, one of Trump's first things was getting out of the Paris climate treaty. Yeah. And the uh, deal. yeah. And the Iran deal.
1: I like that deal. I thought it was good.
0: I, well, I, uh, good I haven't remember. read enough into it. Yeah. Um, but then like, I can't remember what Biden reversed, but Biden reversed a bunch of stuff within his first day too. So it was kind of, it, it kind of makes me laugh because like, you know, these presidents think they have all this power and then it's like, well, your last four years just got erased <laughs> with a bunch of executive orders, but I don't know. It, yeah. it, it, it is funny. And, um, but, well, but anyway, long, long story short, I, I get, I think corruption and fallibility are just inherent to people and uh, especially when they get power. And so for me, I think the best government system, I mean, I think we do have the best government system. I think it has room for improvement, um, but checks and balances, you know, multiple people looking at the same thing. I don't think presidents should be able to make acts of war, like when we shoot down drones or shoot down, but but then that gets complicated once you get into nuclear system, like nuclear type war, right? Um, but I, I do think like there should be more checks and balances, but that the government should also have its hands in. In less things, I think we would all be happier. But that's my personal opinion.
1: Yeah, I was I was reading just in terms of continuity of government that uh, Trump and Biden have like some of the most consistent policy. Like, like Trump was more like uh, loud in how he said things. He was like, Mm -hmm. "I'm going to pull out of this," but then he would kind of like move on. He wouldn't like put people in place to do it. But in terms of um, Biden, he's he's not only just saying things, but he's actually putting in bureaucrats and stuff to implement the system. Like, yeah, we talk. You were talking about like hyper hyper ballistic or hypersonic uh nuclear missiles uh-huh and uh like we basically like crippled china china's chinese uh chip manufacturing like uh-huh. within a day you either had to renounce your citizenship or get back to america you're no longer doing any work in china for these chips and, but like from what i was what i've been reading is that uh and, you know people anyone more smart than me which should be a lot of people just write in and tell me if i'm wrong but like you know trump started like this anti like hey china's doing some bad stuff especially with business they were like just ripping off everyone's stuff, and then Biden's come in and just ripped out their entire chip manufacturing. So they're it, like they sent them back to basically the Stone Age. Like their chips suck, mm. and uh, so like a lot of the technology, a lot of our the people that would want to fire a missile at America don't have like the chip potential to actually fire a chip at, at America. Oh, that's good. That's what it sounds like to me. Like, they, like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that's going on, which I, I generally enjoy because it's like yeah. if China's. China's just like just like you know, stealing everyone's stuff essentially in America, and they don't have any weapons for it, you know. And then there was like a trade war that kind of happened, but kind of didn't happen. And then Biden came in. I, I I thought that was great, like, that was such a smart move, in my opinion. Uh, I don't pay attention to everything, but I was reading about this where it's like, hmm.
0: yeah, I haven't read it like within that.
1: 24 hours. Within 24 hours, every person from America who was working on chip manufacturing in China had to come home or renounce their yeah. citizenship. Like, that's crazy, like, just like in a day. Destroyed everything.
0: Yeah, well, I I don't doubt that. I'm I'm not the biggest. uh I don't profess to be the biggest Trump fan, and I I I that's do think it's cool. f- what's that?
1: I just thought it was cool. It was like wow. Oh day. no, that like, no, that like, is how cool. often Do you like just destroy an entire? Like, yeah, an if, entire. If that's true. That's cool. Pillar. Yeah, I'd check yeah. checking it out. Like it's it's really yeah. I'll, I'll have to the read Smartest in on thing that. I've seen. I, I I haven't seen something as smart and as deft as that in a very long time. I don't know if like Biden did it or like just like he had like a really smart aide who did it or something. But it was like, wow, that was pretty cool. That's like masterful. But they identified well, like, the one thing that underpinned the entire system,
0: and they went yeah, <laughs> yeah. No that that is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If anyone knows more about this, you can write in and tell me I'm stupid. But yeah. I same, that was cool. same
0: with me. I'm I uh, I'm a hobby politician or politi- politics follower, and I have my own opinions, and I'm sure they can be disproven. But
1: yeah, that's I'm part. still I'm still outspoken. Even, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. No. That and that is circling back to my podcast that is the biggest reason I decided to podcast is like in in that in politics and religion right when I used to knock on doors when I was a missionary people would always say oh you're breaking the rules you're there's two things you're not supposed to talk about you're not supposed to talk about politics you're not supposed to talk about religion and I think I think that's fundamentally like a true part of our culture and I think that's bad because like uh, the way we make progress as a people is by talking, right? And so it's like, um, I don't like the idea like, oh, well, you have decided to leave the Mormon faith, you shouldn't talk about it. Or, oh, you're a conservative, you shouldn't talk about it. Or, or you know, or a conservative saying the same thing towards a liberal. Oh, you're a liberal, I don't want to hear it. It's like, I just don't think that's a healthy attitude. And that's, I went back and forth a lot on starting a podcast. And that's why I started is because like, these are uncomfortable conversations but I'm someone who's willing to have them um, because I don't shy away from uncomfortable conversations. Maybe I'm just a personality that I'm obnoxious and I'm willing to like talk about stuff. But like, I think that's super important, right. Is like listening, listening and reading and talking, talking to people you don't agree with. Like I talk to people all the time I don't agree with. And I've just noticed a lot of times people will shut down, you know, Oh, you, you think differently than me. Oh, I, I can't talk to you. And it's like, then people just build these little echo chambers. And I think that's where the polarization politically, culturally, religiously in our culture happens is we just, we don't want to talk to somebody on the other side of the fence and we just get in our echo chambers and we just, we get stuck in our way of thinking. And I, I, I like to be open-minded. I like to say, you know, I could be wrong about everything, about religion, about politics. I I've changed my mind on tons of things throughout my life. And so it's like, why not just be open and be willing to talk to someone you disagree with and and disagree disagree without being disagreeable right like i can disagree with someone on very important things but like at the end of the day they're still a person and so at the end of the day i can shake their hand and say you know i disagree with you but oh well
1: yeah i think it's fun I, i i wish more people did it i think it's more like people don't talk like on twitter or whatever and then like they think they think what's on the news is reflective of society yeah like i don't i don't pay attention to the news like more more than if like something comes through to me that's news related i usually figure out like how it got to me and then either i add a filter so i don't see it again <laughs> right or I, or I tweak my filters to only let things in that i find interesting like i don't need to see the horrible like the, the world is portrayed to be like this very dangerous place it's the safest it's ever been like well it's, it's, it's because that's a that really sells good sells, to be right? alive. yeah it's... It sells. so like, i don't want to i want to be a part because i don't i don't uh very smart very many smart people who um who, who, who just like let that let let them be ruled by someone making you know twenty dollars an hour and you know not liking their job either, and um, they'll just sit there and be like, oh, Trump's gonna Trump's gonna take back the president and you know, blah blah. blah. It's like no one's gonna let him do that. Chill out. Like, like yeah. it's not it's not gonna happen. If he does, like, he'll get clapped in like three days. Like, stop it. Like, it's not gonna happen. Like, uh, yeah. but um, uh, it's just it's it it's sad how often like you only have so much mental energy in your day. So if you're like artificially having like these mental wars with people, like you're not even fighting anyone. You're fighting an idea that was presented to you that like to some extent represents other people's ideas. Mm-hmm. But like walk down the street, you know, say hi to your neighbor. Go, go talk to your neighbor in a nice way. I think that's more fun. Um, and at the same time, disagree. Like if, if someone fundamentally disagrees with me, I think it's a fun conversation. I've been in friend groups where like I was disagreeing with someone and uh, we were having like really fun exchange. And like, but there's significant other literally started being like, hey, you know, you need to stop this because uh, I'm like the guest. And I was like, no, it's fine. You know, like I'm not offended. Um, yeah. Or like, a, it, it's it's sad, especially in the workplace. There's there's a back when I used to work for people and didn't do my own thing. Uh, there'd be times where I'd have a disagreement with someone, or like someone had to disagreement with me, and we just would like they would start yelling because they just people aren't used to having disagreements in a level way. Yeah. And I would just sit there and I would just be like, all right, and all right, and so this is the thing that you think. all right, So this is what you're saying. Like just like make sure they're being heard and stuff. And the next day they'd be like, yeah, I was about to step in, but you 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 seem pretty chill about. The guy yelling in your face, like I don't know, he, he he's being the baby. <laughs> yeah,
0: like, that's not a, that's not an emotionally like, mature thing to do, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's 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 the supervisor, but he's yelling at me, like I'm winning this argument, <laughs> like, like uh, you know. Um, but it just doesn't bother me. But um, and there's like tons of stuff that we disagree on. I think if we were to like talk about Thomas Jefferson, we probably disagree because I don't like that guy. But uh, yeah, like we would have like, we'd be like we'd, I think we'd be chill about it. Um, yeah, I I have, uh, so I have like two questions, and, and, I, and I think we can wrap up the. I'm curious, like what. What do you think heaven is like, like, not just like from a scripture standpoint, but when you imagine it, it, sound, it sounds like you do believe in it. So then when, when you die and you're in heaven, what do you think the experience will be like?
0: Man, that's such a, that's such a hard question, especially where like I'm more agnostic today. Mm. Um, I'll tell you, <clears throat> I'll tell you what Mormons believe. And then I'll tell you what parts of that I, I believe in. So Mormons believe, you know, if you make it, first of all, <clears throat> there's different levels of heaven and I won't get into all of the theology of that, but if you get to the, what they call the celestial kingdom, the idea is that you're together with your family forever. Um, You're in the presence of God. And uh, the idea, they call it eternal progression. So like throughout, you know, like think of our lives, like every day you learn something new, you grow in some way. The idea is that through eternities, uh, you continue to grow. You continue to learn until eventually, you know, everything. And, uh, and, that, and that's why Mormons get made fun of like, oh, you guys believe you're going to be gods and have your own planet and stuff. That's actually kind of true in Mormon theology is the idea is that, you know, if if we are the same way we are today, where where we learn and grow, eventually if you apply eternity to that equation, yeah, you'll know how to do everything, right? And so that's kind of a cool part of Mormon doctrine. Like a lot of people make fun of that because they're like, oh, well, that's impossible. But it's like, look, like it's just a it's a theology, right? You can believe what you want, and and I I kind of uh, would would disagree with with people who mock people's beliefs anyway. Because uh, at the end of the day, if you're religious, I could find something in pretty much every religion that's kind of kooky and, and out there. So that that's what Mormons believe. Um, the thing that I have a hard time with is in Mormonism, the idea is unless you follow the rules and do exactly then you're not going to fit in this group where you're with your family forever. And I kind of joke that that's like the Mormon mafia, like do what Mm -hmm. you say, or it'd be a shame if you didn't have your family, you know? (laughs) And so I think that's kind of jacked up. If, if God, you know, if God is real and he's a loving God, I have a hard time believing that he's going to be separating families. And so I like to believe that if there's an afterlife that I'm with my family, Um, but because I have the, this agnostic belief, like I'm not counting on that. Like it could happen. It could not happen. I don't know. And, uh, so I'm, I'm trying to apply that and just live in the present. Um, I think that's probably one of, one of the biggest blessings or biggest, um, benefits to having gone through this faith crisis and faith transition is like, I don't. I don't count on anything in the next life anymore. Like if it happens, great. And I'm going to try to live my life, be a good person, you know, help others pray to God. That's about it. If I'm, if I, you know, if, if this is the only life I want to make sure I live a life that's, you know, if if I only get my 80, hundred years, whatever, I better take advantage of it. Right. If not, Oh, well, I, I took advantage of it. I was a good person. You know, I'm not going to be a selfish bastard that just does whatever I want. But but I do, you know, I, I hope there's an afterlife. I think I think that'd be great. But I, I don't know exactly what it looks like. I guess yeah. we'll find out. I, yeah. I don't believe in a, if you get one thing wrong, you're going to burn an eternity in hell. I don't think that matches the God I believe in.
1: Yeah, there was a, there was a video of this little boy who's going up to the Pope uh and he's crying and so the pope's like hey lean into my ear and tell me what's wrong and he's like t- speaking in italian so i don't know what he's doing but then like the pope's translating and the pope's like hey do you mind if i tell your story and the kid's like yeah all right it's like okay well you sit here with me while i tell everyone what you just said and so the the boy's crying because his father died but he wasn't baptized and he didn't believe in god and so he's like is my dad in hell and so the pope was like well is, was your dad a good dad was he a good man and then the dad the son was like he was the best man like, best dad in the world, and then the Pope was like, I don't think God would let someone that, like, that so far from him, like, he wouldn't let someone like that be far from him, even yeah. if he didn't believe, and it's like, oh, that was, that was so sweet to, like, say that to the little boy, and, uh I mean, it was to the crowd as well, so, like, it, I mean, if the Pope's saying it, it's kind of nice, like this, like, some, of, some Popes are, like, like, the Borgias were not good Popes, but, like, it's nice to hear, like, I think that that concept makes sense to me as well. It's like, if, if, you're, if you're just a good person, like there's like a good person like China, they've never heard about, you know, Christianity. Christianity, let's say, is the right one. Um, like it seems kind of unfair. You know, you're just yeah. born on the wrong side of the planet. You don't get to be brought in. Like, it's just unfair. So I think, yeah, I, I like to believe, like if there is that system in existence, that it would work out that way.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Now, to Mormonism's credit, they have a really interesting theology on that. Um, they, they do ordinances for those who didn't choose to take them in this life. And they call them like baptisms for the dead. And uh, I used to get asked about this a lot on my mission. Cause it sounds like kind of gross and creepy. Like, Oh, are you baptizing dead people? Like that's not, that's not what they believe. They believe that like, they do believe that you are required to receive certain rituals in this life. One of them being, you know, like baptism, but they say, okay, like if you're this kid in China that never even knew who Jesus was, and you were a good person, we're going to baptize you vicariously. So someone will get baptized in your behalf with their physical body. And God will say, yeah, that counts, you know, if they accept it, but, and and this could be me making God in my own image. It still doesn't totally make sense to me. I I still think, you know, I think God will, will kind of judge us based off, um, based off, our hearts and based off who we are. And, and, you know, I, I think there's probably, there's probably plenty of people who never believe in God that are better people than I am. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I, I could be dead wrong about it. I'm, I'm willing a little bit to bet that I'm not wrong enough to where I'm going to burn in hell. I hope that's the case. (laughs) I mean, if I'm um, now again, to Mormon's credit, they don't believe in a literal fiery hell. So, that's a little less scary, but I mean, if you talk to a Baptist or, uh, you know, some, maybe other traditional Christian, they do literally believe that. And that's kind of terrifying to me. Um, but to, to me, you know, cause that actually begs the question, like the fact that the Pope's saying that, like, well, then what's the point of religion, right? Like, like if you're the Pope and you're saying, well, yeah, if your dad's good, but he didn't follow our religion, it didn't matter. It's like, well, then why do you even have the religion? I think religion's still important, but I think it's more important for the present. And I think it's important, you know, it brings a lot of people peace. It brings a lot of people purpose and, and maybe, you know, I've heard stories of people that aren't religious and they beat their kids and they're alcoholics and then they become religious and it changes their life. Like that is awesome, right? Like that's a great thing. Um, I think religion fails though, once it turns from um, I'm doing this because it brings me peace because it brings me comfort because it makes me a better person to I'm doing this because I'm scared of the consequences of not doing it. That's where I think religion goes too far.
1: Yeah. um, uh, So I know know we're getting to the end, so I'm trying to like condense my my questions. No, you're um, good. uh, Do you think there's any uh, theologic or uh, like spiritual significance to uh, angels and demons in terms of how they're portrayed switching? Or like the demons are the ugly ones and the angels, like we were talking about earlier. Do you think there's any like, like you think like, You know, in some way, like is like are are, like demons, like like influencing people to see it differently, so that then they're more welcomed into people's hearts. I don't know, like it's just like something I have to think about for this conversation. Maybe,
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I I mean, maybe Um, Joseph Smith had fascinating thoughts on angels and demons um, Mm -hmm. to the point that like. So I don't know how familiar you are with the New Testament, but there's a verse in Galatians that people would always throw at me that say it says basically even if a different gospel is preached to you by an angel than the gospel we're preaching, like don't, don't follow it. And people would always throw that at Mormons and be like, see, you're not supposed to listen to an angel. If it's different than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we would argue, be like, no, we are teaching the same gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, but Joseph Smith had this interesting theology that demons could like, could present themselves as a messenger from God, like as an angel. And so he had this whole system of like being able to figure out, okay, is this a good guy? Is this a bad guy? And that that gets complicated because then it's like, well, Joseph Smith, how did you know that that angel that visited you the first time was a good guy, (laughs) you know? So yeah, I, I don't, I don't know much about the theology. I, I would be very agnostic when it comes to heavenly messengers and stuff. I, I have no reason to know or believe one way or another. I, I have a, uh, I have a pretty non-literal view of the Bible personally. Um, I think, I think a lot of those things maybe didn't happen. You know, there's pretty good history to show like Moses probably wasn't a real person and uh, it was probably just kind of a myth that was told. Um, But then there's stuff that we know did happen, right? Like there's a historical record of Jesus existing and yes, there's issues with the new Testament, but like um, anyway, I won't go down that rabbit hole, but basically because of that view of the Bible, like I think it's important because it's a record of people experiencing divine experiences, whether that means the literal physical miracles we read about, or whether this was just some sort of divine communication. Um, and so I, that's what I take it from. I just try to learn from it. Okay. What did these people learn with their experience with the divine? Cause we have thousands of years of people experiencing divine experiences. And not just from the Bible, right? I'm, I'm sort of a universalist in that, like, Um, and in fact, that's part of my show as I'm planning on, on diving into other religions. So it's like, maybe there's stuff in the Quran that teaches us how to learn about God. Maybe there's stuff in like the Bhagavad Gita that like the Hindus read that teaches us about experiences with the divine. So like, I just think unless you're an atheist, I think it's important or it's valuable to look at multiple people's experience because we're all humans. We're all trying to figure this out. And just try to piece together okay what is god how do we communicate with god who is god you know is there one god are there multiple gods all these questions that you know whether whether an atheist argues okay it's just an evolutionary response to not knowing stuff that we have religions or whether there's something to it like i don't i don't think there's any reason to just you know cast it to the wayside i think it's interesting conversations to have and and that and that's my goal in life like i don't i'm i'm non-dogmatic i'm non you know, I, I'm not stuck to any path now, but it's like, why not? Why not figure it out? I think it's interesting. I think it's fun. And uh, yeah, just try to learn, you know, whatever, whatever brings me happiness. And that, and that's what I encourage to other people. And unless your belief is something that harms other people, but if, as long as your belief doesn't harm any other people, like believe whatever you want. And like, if it makes you happy, it makes your family happy. Do it. Sweet.
1: And then, uh, what are some books you recommend? They don't have to be religious. Just like anything you think people would enjoy.
0: Um, if if people want to learn more about uh, Mormon church history there's a number of books um, there's like a hundred or more biographies on Joseph Smith because he's such a controversial historical figure Two that I would recommend um, one is from a believing standpoint one's from a non-believing standpoint so there's a book called uh, No Man Knows My History by Fawn Brody I'll, some of the history on that has been, debunked since then, but it was the first major biography of Joseph Smith that painted him in a bad light. Um, in fact, the lady that wrote it got excommunicated from the church for writing it. Um, but then in the recent years, there's a book called rough stone rolling, um, that's written by a believer. And he's very, I mean, he's, he's probably the most knowledgeable person alive, uh, about Joseph Smith to this day. And, he I definitely recommend that that's a a pretty dense book um someone who doesn't have a Mormon background might have a hard time reading that book just because it's really dense and um it's it's like five or six hundred pages I think and it it talks about you know very specific things with Joseph Smith, but really good that's probably the most unbiased book I've read um I I will admittedly admittedly say um I'm barely in my life getting back into reading books. And I know that sounds sad, um, but I I had about an eight to 10 year stretch with my engineering career where between engineering school and engineering, my engineering career, I was just trying to digest engineering code books and other boring stuff like that. So I kind of stopped hobby reading, but I've, I've started picking it up again. That, that's part of my podcast. Um, I enjoy, I, I know he's kind of controversial. I enjoy things by CS Lewis. I think he's a, uh, an interesting thinker. I know some people don't like him. I mean, he's definitely misogynistic and sexist with a lot of his stuff, but, um, I, I like him. I like mere Christianity. I like the screw tape letters. Uh, if you want just kind of some general dumbed down Christian theology, I don't know. That, that's a few. I, I have other books I like. And, um, but like I say, I'm <laughs> ashamedly, I'm getting back into reading more, uh, than I, than I used to. Um, and so hopefully that, um, list of books I enjoy grows. What,
1: um, if, what books are you on the, look, on the lookout for? I can think of some for you.
0: What, what books am I on the lookout for? Yeah,
1: Like a genre topic. If you're, if you're trying to get back out there, what, what are you trying to get um, out
0: there? In? I like, I enjoy history. Um, I enjoy right, right now, like I said, as part of the podcast project, I'm going to be reading a lot of religious books, so like theology books and apologetic books and, like, like I even have I I went on, so like right now I'm focusing on Mormonism and Christianity. My next thing I'm focusing on as part of my podcast is Islam. So I actually went on the Islam subreddit and I was like, hey guys, like I'm a Christian but I want to learn about Islam, and they were awesome. Like they were like, oh sweet, read this, read this, read this. I got like thirty books to read, and I I don't know if I'll read all of them, but I'm like, holy cow. Um, and so yeah, I if like if someone's listening to your podcast and let's say they're Hindu or um, I, I don't know, Jewish or whatever. Totally. Like if, if there's a book that you feel like you've read and it explains your belief system, email it to me. And I would love to dive into that. Um, but, and you've got a link to my show notes. If people want to correspond with me, like my email is always open to anyone. Uh, it's alternative Mormon podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, I, I just want to talk to anybody, talk to everybody. Uh, even if you believe differently than me in fact especially if you believe differently than me because yeah that's my goal is just to discover help other people on this journey of discovery with me
1: at any point in this conversation if you find value in it please subscribe it is hugely beneficial and it tells google and everyone out there that this is content worth watching thank you for everyone thus far who has commented liked, subscribed and told their friends